This call may be recorded or transcribed. Yeah, sorry for the delay. The dog's got a little hyper. No worries. So, uh, so do you have the Bible handy? You want to look up Romans 8.14? Since you probably have more hands free than I do. Oh, sure. I'm weeding, but... Uh... Okay. 814 is as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Ah, okay. So I'll look it up here. Uh oh. Still there? Yep, still here. You said you were looking up something or? Oh, I'm just going, uh, that was by memory, so now I'm going to look it up. And it's, oh, there we go. Now, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So Romans uh, generalizes the gender, although I've... The things are often translated. Yeah, it depends on which version, but yeah, I think uh, so. the, I think there is something in sons that applies as cross gender, but that uh, means more than just children. But. Right. Yeah. So actually, just to give me the context, you want to go up a few verses and do the whole paragraph. Yeah, sure. A four implies that there is a. And if this is starting with uh, maybe eleven. Not clear where to start in. Um, well, let's start with verse one. Life through the Spirit is the heading the NIV gives it. Therefore, of course, that's going back to the previous chapter. Um, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So it's not saying there's no law, it's a different law. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if, indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to the mortal body because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, put to death in this piece of the body you will live. And then here's the verse. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And he okay. goes on, I can consider yeah, okay, that's, 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 yeah, so that's good, you're right. It, does, it is very parallel to the Galatians passage. 
So uh, let me uh, go back to something you said to make sure I heard you clearly. Is you said that you feel like the shift that you've been going through is from the idea of knowledge to obedience? Um, no, the the recent shift, I mean, the shift several years ago was um, I don't need to worry about failure as God's son. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm free to try and experiment and, uh, you know, seek to do what I think he's wanting me to do, but I don't have to be caught up with worrying about it's the wrong thing. It's so that was several years ago, but recently I've come to a, a, an awareness that I'm part of a team and we to live up to all that we know. Right. And that uh, this is a dynamic that uh, is, it, it's based on... Yeah, yeah, well, you've gone over this before. Yep. Okay. Right. So let, let me read the quote that I was referring to then in your in your last email, which was that um, this personal conviction of sonship is not attained by human reasoning or a study of scripture, but imparted as we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's that's how I read. If we uh, if we're the the sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. If we right. allow ourselves to be led. Right. So, so there's a couple of phrases in there that struck me. So one is uh -huh. it sounds like in your universe of possible responses, the two main options are human reasoning and acts of obedience. Is hmm. that an accurate summary or am I missing something? Well, I think there are I think there are more possible responses than that. I, I think a lot of people respond to the live up to everything we know culture by just rejecting it and uh, live what we might call a nominal Christian life, um, where we're not that serious about it. We go through the motions. Okay, so 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 sorry. Let's let's, let's um. Okay, so there's um. So, the, so okay, and what do, would you so? Um, actually, this is this is actually helpful because I had the same uh, confusion come up with my father-in-law when I was having this discussion, which was that when I said something, he assumed I was going into one of two categories, and therefore he could not. He literally had no conceptual space to hear what I was saying. So, uh -huh. so let's talk about. So there's, I guess, maybe there's two. So let's think about uh, the dimensions of responding to God. So there's dimensions and then there's direction, right? So there's a direction of trying to please God, and then there's a direction of rebelling against God, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Right? And then there's a dimension, uh, and then there's, I guess, magnitude along those things. So like someone who goes to church and is doing uh -huh. stuff, you would say, I think that they're in the direction of trying to please God, but probably not very far. Uh, um, and I guess, I guess so in the dimension of obeying, so I say this question, when you're saying about people who, who like go through the motions of Christianity, are you critiquing which dimension they are using or the magnitude of their obedience? Uh, nowadays, I'm critiquing that framework that I've um, tried to live up to of uh, you know, trying to be wholehearted and uh, gung-ho and do everything I can and uh, live up to everything I know, which I was talking with my daughter this morning, I think uh, produces a tendency toward pride, um, but it alienates others uh, from trying. Um, I mean, there, there's Within every church, there's a core of people who are trying to be everything they're supposed to be. And then there's a larger set, typically, that are kind of hanging out and going along for the ride, but not um, 
you know, I mean, I, I don't know how better to describe the. So, so, so the let me actually let me try and rephrase what you're saying in my terminology to see if I'm understanding you or missing right. anything important, right? So that there is a dimension of sort of seriousness of pursuing God. Yeah. And that your sense is that, uh, uh, you know, in your traditional viewpoint was, well, there's a, like, there's a group of people who are just like, you know, say a scale of three out of 10 in terms of how serious they are. And then right. there's a group of people who are like seven out of 10 in how serious they are. And those people, uh, which you identify yourself with in the past, uh, were like really trying to live up to everything they know. Uh -huh. And you're realizing that that is not actually entirely healthy. Yeah, that's a self-defeating okay. um, misemphasis, I would say. <laughs> right. I, ironically, it's actually more self-inflating, <laughs> which is the problem with it. But uh, uh, I guess it's self-defeating rather than self-denying. Anyway, so what you're supposing instead is then what? Is that a different dimension? Or is it sort of like um, not necessarily orthogonal, but uh, sort of? Well, Jesus said, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. Um, I think yielding to and trust, I, for me, it's uh, the focus now is on uh, really trusting that the Holy Spirit uh, cares enough, cares far more than I do about communicating clearly and leading me where it's important and that all the other stuff uh, that I have imagined is important may not be so important. Right. So I, I hear three different uh, distinctions or three different things. So one is the um, sort of everything I have heard trying to obey. The other is just trying to obey what the Spirit says to me. Let's start with those two. Is that the distinction you're making? Yeah, definitely a, a distinction between trying to live up to everything I read in Scripture and listening for the still small voice or the um, the more specific guidance that, uh, like okay. today, the Lord just wants so, so, me to rest. So, so, so. Right. Okay. Sure. I get that. Okay. So what I'm hearing then is that the dimension you're talking about is still primarily obedience. And the the thing is, um, uh, for you, the transition is obeying what the spirit is saying to you versus trying to obey everything you've seen in scripture. Yeah, that's, that's the emphasis of what I'm working through right now. Yep. Okay. So, okay. I, I see where you're at. Um, I'm still a bit puzzled because this feels like exactly what I heard you telling me a year ago. Right. Of yeah. trying to just listen and do what the spirit is telling you to do rather than, um, you know, being weighed down by all this weight of, uh, of everything. Yeah. I think the, the, the as I now see it, the because I didn't see the framework that I was in, um, I didn't really effectively disengage from it. Um, ah, okay. So this is okay. This is good because this is an interesting question, right? Uh -huh. What is the framework you are currently in, and yeah, what are well, you trying to get to? Because I think that's the thing that is bugging me. Is I feel like I see something that I don't have words to explain to you. Uh -huh. And I think, so let me go back to the statement you made, is that the way you were using Romans 8, 14, it, it sounds like, so there's something, there's something important that is, that I'm still concerned about. Okay. Well. I think what you what you, one of the things you said in your email was that let me just repeat the sentence again so I can get it precisely. Um, was that the personal conviction of sonship is not attained by human reasoning or study of scripture, 
but imparted as we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh-huh. Okay. So I think that is too binary. Okay. On a couple of levels. One is that there is a level of conviction of sonship that can be attained by studying scripture. I think that's a safe okay. statement, right? There's a conviction of sonship. Uh-huh. Right? And then there is a level of conviction of sonship that is attained by being the Holy Spirit's leading. Or, okay. Would you agree with those statements uh, that even if one's a higher level than the other, that there is certainly a level of conviction that can be attained? Yeah, I don't want to dismiss uh, a study of scripture, but um, part of my um, perception is that often, well, that the, the Christian culture I've been part of um, focuses on intellectual understanding in a way that uh, allows us to um, to selective obedience or to uh, disregard. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't disagree yeah. that it's limited, but it's, right. I don't think I think we can agree that it's not like zero and infinity is the distinction. Well, and, you know, sometimes uh, the, studying the scripture is what the spirit's leading us to do. Right, um, but but let me yeah. let me be more more generous if I may. Okay. And I have certainly yeah. ragged on intellectual knowledge as much as anyone, I think. But, uh-huh. like, look, if you are a child who has no clue what's going on, and you're, you read the scripture because your parents tell you to, or because you're doing it in Sunday school, you can still reach an understanding of some level of sonship just by reading scripture. It may not be great or deep or rich or profound or sufficient, but there is some level of understanding and conviction that you can reach in those contexts. Well, yeah. And I, I, secondhand. I think I want to distinguish between uh, understanding and experience of. Ooh, yeah, okay, that's good. So, so, let's, so let's back up then, because yeah. uh, we talked, you use the phrase personal conviction. Right. And I actually, I think that's not an ideal word. So let's go, let's go, so let's start over again. So there's right. an idea of an experience of sonship. Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. Okay, so then there is a, um, so an intellectual experience of sonship is one dimension of sonship, right? Knowing that you are a son, having that cognitive knowledge is right. okay. a dimension, but it's a pretty, you know, in many ways it's a shallow dimension. You know, uh-huh. on the other hand, you know, it's not an irrelevant one, right? If someone, um, you know, there's, a, I was reading a science fiction story where the, the, the king um, uh, has his son raised uh, as if he was an orphan. So he, uh-huh. he's, the, he's the emperor of this land, and he knows that his son is going to have to face enormous trials and temptations. And so as part of, he makes the horrifically, uh, a horrific choice to raise his son in the common royal nursery without him knowing who his father is. Uh-huh. So he has been, he is being put through the discipline of heirship without the cognitive knowledge that he's actually a son. Right. Okay. You know, so like, you know, knowing that you're a son has value. <laughs> right. And not mistakenly believing you're a son. So there's, there's some value in that. Okay. Uh, so we can say it's some value, but it, it doesn't see, it seems uh, woefully inadequate, right? It's a very, uh, okay, so there's some value you can get from studying in the cognitive knowledge. Okay, so the, that, that's one, let's call that a dimension then. One okay. dimension of experience and sonship is sort of the cognitive, let's call that the mind, maybe, for simplicity. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's a second level, or a second dimension of experiencing sonship, which is, uh, I think what you're referring to about sort of being led by the Spirit, of uh, you know hearing God speak to you and obeying. Okay. Right. So that is a meaningful experience of sonship, uh-huh. and I think we can agree in some ways it's a deeper experience of sonship than the first one. Maybe not as broad, but it's deeper. 
Um, is that a fair characterization of what you were trying to say? Well, I guess I find myself wondering if you can really know you're a son if you're not being led by the Spirit. Um, well, it's true, but can you really know you're a son if you don't have any cognitive understanding of sonship, right? I mean, we can say it's necessary and right. meaningful, right? Which is, so that's, what I'm, that's actually the point I'm making, is that there is a, this is a dimension, right? And, and I guess the, uh, what is the, the mathematical statement, right? If all your dimensions are zero, if any one of your dimensions is zero, the volume of the experience is, is zero, right? So okay. the, right? So if you have a, and you know, it's, it's probably actually true that if you have a deep experience of following Jesus and a profound understanding of what sunset means, you probably have a larger volume of experience. Yeah. Right? So these dimensions yep. are all, so they're, you know, so, so let's call this the heart dimension uh, for okay. convenience, right? So I hear your yeah. point that, like, okay, you come from a culture that overemphasizes the head dimension, and so you're really focusing on the heart dimension, because that really gives you a deeper and more meaningful uh, experience of sonship. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, let's pick the third dimension of the body, which is an interesting one, because in my experience, this is the one that traditional cultures focus on. You still there? Oh, hold on a second. My wife's on the other line. Oh, sure. I'll hold. Hello? Yep, still here. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine in the air. Hello? Speakers somehow. Robbie? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello, now? yes, yes. I think somehow my call dropped. Yeah, it, well, I could I could hear you talking to me, but you couldn't hear me you're talking back. So. And then the call failed. Yep. So uh, anyway, um, all right. So, so right. So right. So let's. So you know. So you know. The evangelical tradition really focuses on the mind. Uh, you know so much, um, and. The I'm tempted to call it the mystical tradition, uh, the might be the ideal phrase, but it's not a bad one to work from, about hearing the spirit and obeying your personal experience of God in the stillness, the small, quiet voice. That's an important dimension. But I want to also be generous towards the liturgical tradition, which is okay. that obeying God is showing up and bowing your knee and doing the, performing the rituals. And, you know, there's lots of negative things to say about that. And some of those things have been said by Jesus. I don't uh -huh. want to, um, you know, dodge that in any way. Um, I said some of those right. some things too. But it's the same thing. But, you know, as I've gone through my journey, I've gotten disgusted at various parts of, you know, my spiritual inheritance. But I've also been forced to acknowledge, like, you know, there is some value in just showing up and going through the motions with the community. You know, oh, okay. in addition to the purely intellectual understandings that you're gaining, 
in addition to the purely internal uh, listening to the spirit, there is some value in being part of a community and you know just physically making the effort to go through those motions. And again, maybe it's less important, um, uh-huh. but it's probably also not zero. Um, okay. You know the, the you know uh, you know kneeling to pray or raising your hands in worship. Those physical actions that we take do uh, communicate uh, at some level what we best. Now, there can all, there's always room for hypocrisy. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's room for failure in any of these dimensions, right? You can be deceived of what the Spirit is saying to you. You can be blind to the truths that are incompatible with your theology. Um, you can be hypocritical. But I don't want to say because, so I don't think it's like disqualification that this has value, even if sometimes it has uh, zero or negative value. It's still a meaningful dimension. I mean, you know, okay. David says in the Psalms, "When I long to enter into the sanctuary and praise you among the assembly." Right? There's a thing to be done that is worth aspiring to do because it is a dimension of experiencing what it means to belong to God and be His son. You buy that? Yeah, I, I find myself trying to figure out what, because um, your original question to me was, do I, can I call God Abba? And uh, we've wandered far enough from that that I uh, Oh, sorry. I, 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 so, so, so actually, let me rephrase it then because it wasn't clear. When I say that, I'm trying to understand how do you experience sonship? Okay. And so are we still, are we still on that subject? We're still on that subject, yes. Okay. And so I'm trying to okay. tease apart some of the, the different dimensions of experiencing sonship. Right. Okay. And so let's call that strength. You know, so there's mind, heart, and strength so far as different dimensions. Okay. And from our, you know, perspective, as we're sort of critiquing our traditions, we can look and say, okay, the liturgical tradition gets too deep, you know, they tend to over-index on the strength, you know, they're just showing up. And the evangelical tradition tends to over-index on the mind. Okay. And so from what I'm hearing you say is that like, okay, you're realizing that that was a inadequate experience of sonship. So you're now pursuing this deeper, you know, this new dimension of sonship. Uh, of of the heart of really just listening to the spirit and obeying. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I think without without that. So what what means part of my self observation is that uh, what I had come to was a form of Phariseeism mm-hmm. of trying to live up to everything and looking down on others who didn't appear to be making the same effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my daughter said, you know, I, I come across as condescending. Um, yeah. And, uh, all right. So, um, and then looking at movements unfolding around the world that are multiplying disciples rapidly in a way that uh, only seems to happen where Christianity has not um, been very influential. Mm-hmm the the common element seems to be this living in the reality that God does care about speaking to us, that the Holy Spirit does lead, and that um, we can walk in that. Okay, uh, great. Kind of explosion of the charismatic Pentecostal movement. Well, well right, and so let's, this is where I was going to go with that, right? Is that, like, yeah. so, like, I'm glad you're experiencing this new dimension, okay? Uh-huh. But one, I wanted to be a little bit more generous towards the other dimensions that, you know, have been tried and found wanting. Okay. Um, because, like, there is value there. And I don't want to, sure. you know, I'm trying, we have to honor our fathers and mothers. But it's, right. you know, we, but it's, it's also important to acknowledge their inadequacy. Right? Okay. And the reason I want you to do that is because I would like you to do, I'm going to invite you to do the same for the current dimension you are exploring. Okay. Right, because I have been in the charismatic stream, you know, you know, since 
graduate school, you know, with uh-huh. different levels of intensity and participation, but hanging out with some of the things. And I see also the inadequacy of that dimension. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> because, and the, and in particular, you know, you could probably guess where I was going with this, with the, my choice of terminology. We're called to love the Lord our God with all our mind, with all right. our heart, with all our strength, and with all our soul. Uh-huh. And the thing I think that has been troubling me for the last year, if not longer, actually, in some of the conversations we've had even before the Great Reset, is yeah. that I feel like I'm talking to a small subset of your soul. Okay. And in particular, the reason I brought up this whole passage about sonship and obedience is that like, I feel like, you know, that your relationship with God, even if you're moving from the external and the intellectual to the internal and the personal, it's still centered on obedience. As if you can't consider another dimension for it to be centered around. Um, well, what would you suggest in terms of what else to center that? So this is the problem, is that if you have no experience of anything, I can't necessarily come up with words to describe it. So let me see if I can come up with an analogy or a metaphor. Um, okay. Okay, let's start with an infant uh, under one year of age. Right. That child has a deep experience of being loved and cared for. They're incapable yeah. of any type of obedience. Right. Right, but they have a deep experience. And, and they, 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 you can check with the child, right? And you talk about therapy and, and you know, what, what's happened. Like, if, if they have a deep experience of sonship before, you know, one or two years of age, they will grow uh-huh. up as a very different human being than if they did not. Right. Okay, so what is that thing that they are experiencing? Uh-huh. Right, and what's interesting is that the experience of sonship includes, I think, at least two things. Uh, you know, one is um, bonding with a caregiver uh, because uh-huh. they are having their needs met. Uh, and then the second part is realized is individuating from the caregiver in realizing that this is another person. Uh, my, my two zoosophic pillars of connecting and individuating, right? So I think what I remember people saying is that if they don't have the experience of connection first, then they grow up as a psychopath. If they okay. only have the experience of connecting and don't have the experience of individuating, they grow up as codependent. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, they, one is they lack sort of a, a shared bond of humanity, and the other is that they lack a sense of their own distinct individuality. Um, so there's an experience of sonship that precedes any sort of ability to obey, um, which what you've described as your family background, it actually doesn't make me wonder if you had much of that. Um, but it was primarily interested as a metaphor explained, like there's a thing there, there's another dimension of experience of sonship, which doesn't fit into these other three categories. Uh-huh. And which is perhaps foundational, at least from a human developmental perspective. So that's the thing yeah. I'm suggesting. Does well, that answer I your question? Um, let's see. Well, I'm not, what, uh, I'm not sure what my question is. <laughs> Okay. I said, I, I believe that there's another dimension beyond what you have discussed, which is all your soul. Right. And that's what I was trying to illustrate. Yeah. So um, when I first started into, uh, I guess you could call it ministry, but it was mm-hmm. an experiment where I'd rather... Uh, Hudson Taylor's biography and George Mueller and uh, Brother Andrew and said, you know, I I want to know if God is that real mm-hmm. that I, I can just rely on him and trust him to provide and not uh, 
go through support raising like people often do when they go into ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I experienced that, you know. Every yeah. week he would find some creative way to provide. It was a very wonderful experience. And then after a few years, a friend accused me of being addicted to miracles. And mm-hmm. I realized that they were right. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I felt like the Lord very clearly spoke to me that obedience is better than sacrifice and I should obey the organization I was in. In fact, I shared with my daughter this morning the same um, realization that I had embraced what I thought was spiritually superior or just praying everything in and Mm -hmm. struggled with pride amidst my uh, colleagues who were all sharing what they were doing and inviting people to donate and up to me like they were on a in an inferior path, but right. that feel the kind of pride. So I don't know if that's uh, you know I I had an experience then of not feeling like it was because I was doing something for the Lord, but I was just resting and trusting in Him. And in a, in some ways, I'm aiming to get back to something more like that relationship with Him. Then right. Um, yes. So there's, so, yeah, so, so there's two phrases that, that came to mind as you were discussing that. Oh, okay. First one is right. that, like, one of the things that I feel like I struggle with in communicating with you is that I feel like sometimes when I talk about fatherhood, I feel like you're talking about lordship. And I don't know if that's an accurate perception on my part, but like, God is a good boss. Like, uh-huh. he's a wonderful boss in in many ways, but uh, a lot of these things about obedience, like, like, like the difference between a slave and a son, right? A slave lives in a household, is taken care of by the master of the house. The master cares for them. The master even loves them. Um, uh-huh. um, and, you, you know, I think the passage in Galatians says, but when a child is still living under, in, in the household, he is no better than a slave. Right. Right? And I think the... Um, and this is good because this is a uh, a thing that the church does not really have great language around, at least in the circles I hang out in or have seen. Um, so, the, what, so, so a couple of the distinctions, right? One is the idea of being a friend rather than a servant, right? That Jesus talks about in the Gospels, which you know, that might be worth uh, spending some time on. The other thing that's really interesting is the... Uh, the other phrase that came to mind is the idea of worship and surrender. Like, so my charismatic friends, they, they're really big into this, this idea of stoking worship. Uh, of right. just yep. sort of um, um, basking in the love of God. Uh, uh. It's um, a very emotionally centered experience. And I have my issues with people who offer index on that dimension, too. But, you know, I went to an event with my wife last night because it's like, okay, as much as I see the limitations of that dimension, I also acknowledge it's something that uh, I need and I probably need more of at this point Uh in time. And, you know, and I certainly you've talked about being a a weaned child. Right. Right. And I think that that, so maybe that's, let's start there because you have had an experience. You do have, it sounds like you have had some of these experiences of just, of sort of just surrender and just soaking, even if you wouldn't use yeah. those lang- that, those terminologies, right? Right. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. That you yeah. have had those experiences? Yeah. So I think what I would, um, what I would say is that I feel like, um, Okay, so now that we've got sort of our dimensions staked out, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. What I'm kind of hearing you say is like you've been through the like just obeying with my strength and doing all the things that you're supposed to do. You kind of maxed that out and got burnt out on it. You've uh, done the, uh, you know, try to understand everything there is to know about what I'm supposed to do and live up to that. And you also sort of maxed that out and got burnt out on that, right? Well, I don't use the word burned out. I, I, I don't know that I ever felt burned out. But I, ah, okay. Uh, um, but, you know, the you've, Holy Spirit. You've, you've gotten burned by that, perhaps, because it certainly seems like it's burned bridges. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. okay, yeah, right, fair. 
fair. Okay, yeah. Sorry, my language, not your. It's your experience, not mine. So, okay, okay. So you, you sort of you you did a lot. You went kind of there quite a long ways, and you realized, okay, this is not getting me where I want to go. Right. Right. And then, so what I'm saying is that so right now you're on the heart, and like this is a good thing, right? To to be focused on the heart, but I still feel like, in terms of the issue we've been talking about, in terms of our relationships, and in terms of having you know, like, like the whole point is right is that one extra given in this we're kind of mapping out this four-dimensional space if you will right and okay. the, right so the interesting thing is is that, you know uh you know at least that's the way i view, view this as a four-dimensional i guess hypercube or tesseract and that right. um you know you spend you know years if not decades on the first two dimensions and i feel like you've been spending the last year or so on the third dimension, which is the heart, you're listening to God and obeying. And like, that's good. And like, if that's where you want to focus, that's fine. But I feel like uh, that this fourth dimension is undernourished. And therefore, if you can find ways to grow in that dimension, it will have like, you know, grow, you know, like, right. Because if you have a cube, right, and if you have, you know, X is 100 and Y is 100 and Z is one, you know, adding one unit of Z, you know, is a huge, is a much bigger gain than adding one unit of X. Okay, right? I've lost track of what the fourth dimension is that you're referring uh, to. The fourth dimension is the soul. Okay. Right, in that I feel like the way you talk about relating to God uh-huh. is, you know, focusing more on the heart but I feel like when I talk about the soul or things of the soul, I get these sort of blank looks. Like you say, I hear these words, but they have no meaning for me. And um, that's the... Uh, like when you that, say, can you call uh, God Abba? Yeah. Like there's, there's I mean, like in, in the charismatic circles I hang out with, um, uh, you know, and they... Uh, uh, you know the, the you know Abba Father is a uh, a potent term, right? Uh-huh. Is that we're not just saying Father because you know Paul's writing in Greek most you know pretty much the whole New Testament is Greek except for a few of these places where he drops back into the vernacular, right? right? You know he's using the info because like he's the the heart language if you will right? There's a there's a you know that's the way in a lot of families right is that. You know, we'll use English, like, but the, like the only Tamil word uh, that my kids use on a regular basis is achi and thatha, right? It's the in terms of endearment uh, that uh, sort of uh, deeper than the cultural conventions we live in. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and that is a, and I guess, you know, if you don't have the cultural reference or the either, you know, in your birth culture or in your church culture, I don't know how to explain it to you. Um, but like, there's this, there's this heart cry and like, you know, in terms of my dimensionality on this, I really, yeah, I'm probably like a three on the, the ability to like call out to Abba, uh, compared to other ways I experience God. So that's something I'm actually pressing into this season is this idea of, um, and you know, like, like, you know, my, my monk friends, right. They really have this experience of being married to Christ and just submitting to him as a bride to the bridegroom. Right. Uh-huh. And the 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 type of surrender involved there is okay, it is it is similar to but vastly different than obedience. Right? Uh-huh. And so what word there, what word would you use for it? Um So, I mean, voluntary surrender is even itself too weak. Um, intimacy is getting closer. Right. Um, intimate union, um, worship. Um, it's um, um, I mean, well, this is a PG podcast. I won't go into any more details. So, but like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the point is, is that, like, I think you know it when you see it, right? Okay. Right. Uh, and, 
if not, we will have a offline conversation where we can go into more technical details of it. But like this is there's a thing there, you know, where it's um, um, there is a um, there's this progression, I think, from sort of uh, an infant who is just purely passive to a child who is uh, choosing to obey, uh -huh. to um, uh, an heir uh, who is exercising authority, to a friend. And the, 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 the vibe I always get when you talk about obedience is kind of an arm's length thing. And you know, given your fairly horrific stories you shared about your family background, it is not, uh, it, it is very easy for me to look at this and say, you know, I feel like your concept of fatherhood and your experience of sonship is uh, severely shaped by your family of origin experiences. Okay, well, I'll change the experiences then. What? I just keep joking. So, what what do I do about that? Right, and and I think that's the question. Is, is you know, this is uh, my charismatic friends spend a lot of time on this. They talk about the orphan spirit and inner healing and things like that. And uh -huh. you know, it's certainly something I I heartily recommend. Is you know there's all these things like heart sync and sozo and Emmanuel encounters, um, right? And if you're up for you know research on your own, I would encourage you to do that. If not, I'd be happy to you know I've I've led a few of such sessions myself. We can try doing some of those exercises and see what comes up either offline or online, um, or recorded or not, depending on whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, that's definitely something that. Um, is you know different than our typical Bible study. It's not that I mean I think you're the one who led us in a little Emmanuel encounter when uh, Emiliana and Janet were working through some issues, right? Yeah, yeah. A version of that, yeah. So there's uh, I don't know how much experience you have with that tradition or those practices. Uh, not a lot. Okay. But, um, and I you know. I, I can participate in them, but I I don't often get to a place where my imagination is engaged in a an active way that um, it seems to be what they're aiming towards. Yeah, and I think that's actually the point, right? Is that you know, like the, the the premise of a lot of this? I mean, the, uh -huh. the, the best way I've, I've heard to explain this to an engineer is that you can think of the right brain as the sort of analog capture and the left brain as the digital processing and the amygdala as the A to D converter. I mean, it's a vast oversimplification, but it's useful. And the, the idea is that when you have emotional experiences, it all gets sort of holographically captured in the right brain. But then your amygdala chooses which experiences it can encode into a form that your left brain can process. Okay. And you know, the uh, interesting consequence of that is that we end up storing unprocessed trauma on the right side. It just sort of builds uh -huh. up. And therefore, we build up these defense mechanisms because the amygdala's job is to try and keep the brain from being overwhelmed. It acts like a circuit breaker, right. uh, among other things. And so therefore, there are certain thoughts, concepts, feelings that you are... Um, that are literally impossible to think or feel. Um, uh, and the, the idea of, of um, you know, loving God with our whole soul is to reconnect with these parts of ourselves that have been alienated from us. And then, um, you know, it's actually uh, you know, sometimes described as self-evangelism. Like it's the same process we have to go through with an unreached people group or a uh, a person who doesn't know Jesus or is hostile to Jesus. We have to approach them. We have to 
uh, especially if it's someone who's been, um, there's parts of ourselves, like one of the things that when I was going through this process myself was that I realized that parts of me were very, very angry at other parts of me uh, because uh -huh. they felt denigrated, disowned, disrespected, et cetera. And so they would periodically, you know, attack and sabotage each other. And the, uh, the, the, and, you know, not unlike some of the issues we have had in our um, uh, close relationships where the, someone we consider part of ourselves uh, does not really feel safe with us. Right. And, and, and I think a lot of that is, in fact, because there is, I mean, I, certainly in a more neutral space, I feel like this with my son, that parts of uh -huh. myself that I like, you know, uh, like, for example, I in high school, like lived off of sugary cereals. And, uh -huh. you know, it was kind of the thing I did for whatever reason. <laughs> and so when I see my kids, you know, eating cereal in the afternoon, I get really angry uh, because uh -huh. that was a part of myself. And I guess that I, that, that I didn't handle well and maybe I still haven't made peace with. And therefore, I, I want to react with the law and squelch that. Uh, and I'm not uh -huh. responding out of grace. And okay. the idea yeah. is that these things that like, this is the, the, for people who have an experience of Christian community, uh, people who have knowledge of God, people who even have a heart that is willing to obey this dimension of the soul is the vast unexplored uh, territory that actually brings the most joy. Uh -huh. Um uh, eventually, it, it tends to you, you end up having to go through hell first because you have to unlock all these uh, pains and traumas that have been buried safely away. But on right. the other side of hell is heaven. Uh -huh. And to me, this is the I think I told you before. Like my whole idea, as far as I can tell, denying self is really about reprogramming the amygdala and not huh. just allowing the. Um, the circuit breakers that have been set up to define our reality. Uh -huh. All right, I'm at the end of my walk. Uh, I think that was a um, useful level set, and I need to recover for a bit. But you know, I, I would love to maybe schedule some time on a Zoom call for an hour. We could try one of these heart sync type encounters to see if there's some connection we can make. Yeah, I uh, I feel open to it. I don't. Uh... Feel like I really know how to proceed in it, but uh, so yeah. yeah All right, maybe one after my work calms down a bit, I can schedule some time between seven and three. I think you said that's your sweet spot, right? Right. Okay. All right. Bless you. Okay. God bless you. Bye bye.